am Chris Chow, and this is Straight Chow, the fantasy football podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Headliners. Welcome back to the show. I am once again joined by my man, Mr. Chris Kennedy. What's going on, buddy? What's going on, buddy? We are just, I mean, when this pod drops, we'll be a, a day away from Thanksgiving. So I'm super Ooh. excited. You know, great time for family, for friends, for, of course, the food and a three game slate of football. So I'm I'm all for it. What's the saying that they're putting out there? Friends, family, and football? The triple F, man. Triple Fs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know about that, but yeah, I'm going to start using it. <laughs> the NFL was saying it all last week, man. Every time they're promoting the Thanksgiving games, it was family, friends, and football. And I'm like, hey, I like it. I, I like it a lot. I love Thanksgiving football. Thanksgiving is a phenomenal feast where you get to stuff your face like a glutton and... I don't know, man. Is that is that what we're supposed to be thankful for? Is eating like pigs? I mean, that's that that sounds like a Tuesday for me. But sure, yeah, let's call it Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, that your your Tuesday run to Taco Bell, man, with your bevies and and Taco Tuesday, man. The gluttony is bad. It is perfect. It's perfect. absolutely perfect. And I'm and I'm all for tradition, but there's one tradition I'm just sick of, and that's seeing the Detroit Lions play on Thanksgiving year <laughs> after year. Like, and, and, and they even came out and said, they said, we're not giving it up. Like, we're not going to not play on Thanksgiving. It's like, well, then just improve your damn football team. Make it's it an so enjoyable funny. game. It's so funny because one I was listening to one of the Bills radio shows today and he's like, can we quit the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving? And he's like, yeah, I don't think we can, man. It's 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 a staple for life, regardless of who they are and what they are. It really is. And it, you know, hey, some traditions you just can't get rid of, you know, like that really bad casserole that you might have on, you know, on a certain dish or a certain relative. You just don't want to show up to dinner. And yeah, there, there's some traditions you just can't get away from. Or the cranberry sauce that nobody eats and they just keep putting it on the table. I say, why like you- the canned or the ones with like cranberries? Either, in man, like that just doesn't belong. I'm sorry. It just it, unless it, you put it on a sandwich, like if you're having like a like a gobbler sandwich, <sighs> then yeah, yeah. The, the cranberry sauce is OK. Or if it's like a I, cranberry mayo. No, I can't do it, man. No, it, it can't be done. Adding sweet to the salt isn't isn't part of my jam. I, I just can't uh. do it, man. That's all part of my jam. Is it really? You mm-hmm. oh, mixing shit up already. Hey, just, Love the sweet and salty. Speaking of sweet and salty, let's dive in because I mean, seriously, the Daniel Jones effect in the New York Giants football game on Monday Night Football. What a gong show that was. I uh, unfortunately uh, thought that the game would be a little bit more competitive than what it was only for the uh, point spread. And I got, uh, you know, punched in the face once again because the New York Giants, you know, they just they suck. So anyway, we got a lot on, on the dog here. The Giants, they fired Jason Garrett. Thank God. I mean, I don't even I, we never like the high from day one it was it was it was likely one of the worst I mean we know he's a horrible play caller he's not he can't adjust in game he's got that perma fake smile going on like he's confused all the time I mean very little positives you could take out of this game Kadarius Tony was one of them the human joystick making moves making catches Freddie Kitchens now will take over as the play caller I'm not sure there's much upside there Um, he's not a very good creative play caller either I mean, Chris, this game was such a debacle. You you went on Twitter today and uh, you 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 tried to make a little light of it. So I mean, take it away, man. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, well, this this game was pretty much over before it started. Uh, the Giants' offensive line is an absolute mess, and I'm not saying that the the lack of play from Daniel Jones is mostly because of the offensive line, because Daniel Jones did start the season off re- playing very very well. He was a top three, top five fantasy quarterback through the first few games of the year, mm. but 
from a lot of you guys will remember is that back in 2019, after his rookie season, he was coined by a lot of people, Danny Dimes. And myself and Chouse, over over the last year or so, we have all we have renamed him Danny Pennies. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that is something that we came up with here on the pod. And so I decided to go to Twitter and let you folks allow the fans to rename Daniel Jones and to give him a new nickname, you know, so no longer Danny dimes, what else could it be? And I couldn't narrow it down to a certain, you know, winner because we had at least 50 people respond with, with answers. Mm. So I'm going to name off some of the ones that I liked the most. All right. One is from at Fantavet and his nickname was uh, Danny Nickelback. And I like that one just because Nickelback's so terrible. So you put terrible. Danny with it. Perfect name. Well uh, another one was from uh, YQR Lions fan. And his name for it was Penny Danny, which reminded me of Penny Candy because it's cheap and it's not very good. So I thought that kind of fit pretty well. Uh, a couple of the ones that I really liked here. Um, we had, well, where was the other one here? Oh, um, <laughs> at Cody Williams nine. Damn it, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really good one because nice. pretty much that's what you're yelling. And I'm sure that's what the coaches are yelling every time that he throws the ball. Um, now you Chow's came up with one Danny pesos. Yes. I believe it was. <laughs> and there well, were a couple thinking, people, what's lower than a dollar, man. It's the pesos. So a couple people out there had, uh, has stolen that name, but we're going to give that to you Chow's. Okay. So, but yeah, I think those are, those are all some great names. And another one I liked was from Ansel Moroids, Danny downer. Cause it reminded me of like a mm. Debbie downer. And you're just always in a bad mood when you play Dan and Jones. So Danny Downer was another really good one. So thank you to everybody for submitting your nicknames. We'll uh, we'll we'll see how it goes throughout the season. Should we pick a winner and then maybe you know what we can hook them up with a free draft guide in the off season? I think that would be okay. Which ones out of those did you like the most? Name them off again. All right. So we have Penny Danny. We have Damn it, Danny. <laughs> We have Danny Downer, and we won't do Danny Pesos because you're the one that thought of that. So I'll pick one more, um, and then you know we'll go with uh, we'll go with the one from from Matic three sixteen Dan Dim. <laughs> oh man, that's a good one. The Dim. Oh, I I gotta say it's it's gotta be with the, the Downer or Dim. I, I like those two. Those are pretty good. Damn, it's pretty good too though. The, the Danny Downer was my favorite. Okay, well, we'll go with, with the Downer. So Ansel, at Ansel Moroids, um, if you're listening to the podcast, reply to us, to us over on Twitter, and we will hook you up with a free draft guide for the 2022 season. Boom, look at that. Look at how we show the love when you guys answer questions. It's beautiful. But I mean, Danny Pennies, man, or Danny Downer. This is this is really bad. So now if we're talking about the New York Giants, I know we got a lot of frustrated New York Giant fans out there. And I mean, they're tired of seeing mm-hmm. this. And, and I understand and my empathy goes to you. I, I am I am uh, more empathetic. I could not be because I'm a Buffalo Bills fan who have suffered for many, many years before the recent uh, present. Um, so, I mean, no Jason Garrett, Freddie Kitchens. You got to think Joe Judge. We spoke about this. He's got to be out the door or on a very short leash. Uh, no Dave Gettleman. If they fire Gettleman, you got to think Judge is going to be on his way out uh, roughly very quickly after because typically GMs want to get their own guy in place. 
And then what right. do you what do you do with the rest of this roster? I mean, okay, the receiving core is still very good on paper. Saquon to me is still a question mark. Is this guy ever going to have another season full? I mean, is he just going to continue to go in and out of this uh, injury uh, medical room? What do you do with this team overall, man? Obviously, Danny Penny's or Danny Downer is going to be out the door. He has to be. I think he's got to be gone. I think you need to you need to revamp the offensive line. You know, you've got to make changes there. Because while they weren't terrible last night, um, they only allowed a couple of sacks. But I mean, they were just getting pressure after pressure, you know, on on Daniel Jones. So for me, I think it starts with the offensive line, getting rid of Daniel Jones. The defense, I still like, you know, I mm. like I think once they get healthy, you know, they get Blake Martinez back. They're able to get healthier, you know, throughout that linebacking core. I think they're going to be OK, but it's the quarterback position. It's the offensive line that can protect that quarterback. Keep the young receiving core that you have. Spending all that money for Kenny Galladay probably wasn't the best idea, but sure. you know you, you you move on. But I do I do think that Saquon Barkley is going to be fine. Again, the injury is a little bit of a concern, but I just love the talent so much that I think that you know as long as they aren't running him into the ground, a la Derrick Henry, then I think it should limit the injuries. Yeah, fair enough. And I mean it's. It might get a lot worse before it gets a lot better. Uh, together blue, the big blue. I mean, you guys are not together right now. I understand. It is a tough situation in New York. Not very good, but I mean, there you go. There's the contest winner, uh, makeshift contest winner of making a new nickname for Daniel Jones. We do got some headlines, Mr. Chris. And I mean, uh, starting off, this happened a few days ago. The Denver Broncos. It, it, the reason I bring this up right now is because I want to discuss their dynamic a little bit because I didn't foresee this coming at all. I mean, John Elway and the new GM, whatever. I can't remember who the hell's the GM there right now. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Yeah, you exactly. keep talking, I'll find it. Yeah. So John Elway, because I know he gave up the rights. He's like the team president now appointed somebody else to be the general manager, but they go and sign Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick uh, to contract extensions. Uh, Cortland Sutton's contract four years, $60.8 million, 34.9 million guaranteed. Tim Patrick, three years, 34.5 on the contract, 18.5 guaranteed. And my, my conundrum here is, and, and the thought process here goes to, Based on these signings, so now you have the core being Sutton, Judy, Patrick, and Javante. That's your four. And you're going into next season, potentially KJ Hamler coming back from the injury to be your big play guy too. But I mean, that is your core of players. You're basically sitting here telling me right now, because you're locking these guys up, you are just a quarterback away from being a contender. Oh, absolutely. Um, and just to let you know, the uh, the GM's name is George Patton. That's right. There you go. Yep. Uh, but, you know, you're absolutely right. And I think that, you know, where they're given these extensions and we talked about it in our, you know, our, our, our DM group was hopefully they save a little bit of money for a quarterback down the line. Because, I mean, right now, looking at their their salary cap, they've got about 15 million in cap left at the moment. At the end of this year, going into next season, they'll have about 60 million dollars in uh you know, in, 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 in total salary cap money there, but they've got a lot of big, like big name players that are making quite a bit of money right now. So they might have to work some things around, but I think that they should have enough money where they, they will be able to bring in a quarterback and make some other moves, hopefully shore up that offensive line as well. Cause that's a big, big, uh, worrisome position for me. As it always has been. And they, it seems like they can never figure out the offensive line in Denver since Peyton left. And I mean, do I say it? Dare I say it, man? Aaron Rodgers to the Denver Broncos. 
Oh, I'd love that. I think it'd be great. It's like a little filler, you know, for a couple of years. Absolutely. Is this what they're planning, great. though? Is this what they're doing? Like, you got to think it's got to be moving to this direction. You're, you're feeding and you're spending money to say, hey, Aaron, we got lots of weapons over here. Come on board. Yeah, I mean, because Teddy Bridgewater is a, a free agent at the end of at the end of this season, you know, um, so obviously Drew Locke is not the answer for them. So I do think that I mean, they didn't they didn't trade for him, you know, when they had an opportunity to do it. And maybe they didn't because they're like, well, he's going to be a free agent anyway. So we'll just pick him up anyway. And, and you know, maybe not pack in this season, but just not set our expectations too high. It's interesting dynamic because, I mean, you, you got to believe that Aaron Rodgers is out of Green Bay because he wanted the way that he structured this deal coming back from his holdout. And then everyone's going to kind of look at if you're an older quarterback, you're going to go to a team who has a plethora of weapons on the offensive side, a.k.a. the two teams who require a quarterback is the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Denver Broncos, and they're both loaded with talent. So, I mean, to me, this offseason is going to definitely stem around Aaron Rodgers. And we're already in offseason talk. It's only week 12, for God's sakes. But, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, you can't fault me for this. The Denver, I blame the Broncos, man. They're signing everybody to contract extensions, and it got my brain going. You know, and it's, it's a good thing to bring up, too, because when you're looking at the team and expiring contracts that they have, I mean, they're going to take $11.5 million off the book when they don't resign Teddy Bridgewater. I'm going to assume they don't bring back Melvin Gordon. So that's another $8 million off the books, Correct. which by the way, hashtag Javante Williams season 2022. Boom. And you put, you put a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers there. I mean, Williams is going to have so many open holes to run through. It's going to be phenomenal. And I didn't even bring up Noah fans name. Noah fan, the law, the forgotten child, the redheaded stepchild, man. I mean, geez, man, this, this offense could be something with Mr. Aaron Rodgers. I will say with a new quarterback, I really think that it'll it'll help out Cortland Sutton because since Jerry Judy's come back from his injury, Sutton has almost been an afterthought in this offense. So I'm really hoping that a a change scenery, you know, or a new quarterback will help kind of sort things out a bit. Yeah, I agree. Interesting stuff. No kidding. The rumor mill, man. We got some rumors today. It was the fact that the Chicago Bears, the Bears, are planning to uh, fire Mr. Coach Nagy after this Thanksgiving game. He has come back in rebuttal and said, I have heard nothing of the sort and no confirmation has come my way. Clearly, you fool, because they're not going to tell you. They want you to still coach one more game before they send you walking, man, and they cancel all your cards to the facility. But I mean, damn it, Chris, well, also, this is way overdue, man. Yes, and what happened was apparently they have uh, they have meetings that, you know, all coaches and, you know, front office people are supposed to attend. I believe it's on Mondays and he didn't go to that because they were on a short week. So he didn't actually attend that meeting. So that very well could have been a meeting with like, <laughs> all right, we're going to, we're going to let this guy go. But so that's why he's probably thinking, Oh, I haven't heard anything. It's well, no dumbass. You weren't at the freaking meeting, but, <laughs> there was but no. probably, it was probably like, if he shows up, he gets one more week. If he doesn't, he's fired. Exactly. But no, I mean, this is long. I mean, this should have happened a year ago. I oh, mean, yeah. the, it was David Montgomery's what second season in the league when you just saw how underutilized he was and he was the best player on the field and they didn't know how to use him. And I mean, not only that, but also the play calling. I mean, we're talking about really bad, unimaginative play callers. Nagy's right there at the top. 
Yeah, man. And like super vanilla. I mean, what the hell did you even bring back uh, Allen Robinson for on the tag? That was another thing. Like, let the man, yeah. like, I, I, the, all the, even the general manager pace, he needs to go too. I'm sorry. You guys have made a complete disaster of this whole situation. I, I was talking with buddies of mine as well on this, and, and he was super emphatic. And he's like, uh, you know, you wasted Justin Fields for what, 12 months now or less than 12 months because, like, what are you doing? Everything. Now he's got to right. do another coaching staff, another new system. Like you're just wasting young talent, youthful talent. The only person that seems unaffected is Darnell Mooney, but I mean, whatever. I mean, I know. And I love me some Mooney, but I mean, I didn't take Mooney as my, you know, wide receiver too in fantasy leagues. So. I should have instead of Allen Robinson, for God's sakes, it would have uh, helped me. Mm-hmm. No, I would have helped everybody, but we don't have crystal balls, unfortunately. You know, it still hurts, man. It really hurts. I, I cry myself to sleep every night because of some of these draft picks. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. It's oh, just just get rid of Nagy. Let let all let everything be well in the universe. Yes, the world will recover once he is gone. Philip Lindsay, man, he gets waved today by the Texans. I, this whole thing, man. I, I I'm I'm I, I, people baffle me. I'm a loss for words. I I I'm confused constantly. People must think I'm strange. I walk around the streets all confused with this look on my face, and it's not because I don't know where I'm going. It's because the NFL has me confused with so many of these moves. Philip Lindsay's one of them. What the hell did you sign in Houston for when they had like eighty thousand running backs that you were you knew you weren't gonna play? And then the the Texans actually offered the deal and he signed it, and now they waive him. Explain, man. Explain the rationale because now you're you're back to David Johnson and then Burkett as your running backs. I don't get yeah. it. Yeah, so pretty much David Johnson is going to be the one-two guy. Burkhead's going to be used in the receiving game like he was in New England most most likely. But then you have you know, DJ who also can be used as a receiver, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost as if Bill O'Brien never actually left the organization. It's like the ghost of him is still haunting this team and just making terrible personnel decisions week after week. So, I mean, good God, I love, I love it for David Johnson and the opportunities that he's going to be getting. Cause it means, you know, he can get, you know, another eight to 10 carries a game, but it's just this organization just baffles me every time that they make a, a personnel move because it's like, what what are you doing? Like, you you clearly don't want to win, and then you go out and you happen to win a game you shouldn't, and then you go and just make a whole bunch of dumbass moves. Yeah, it's not like they were trying to get to the floor of the salary cap so they can be so they wouldn't be penalized. That's the only reason why a move of this magnitude would have made sense because signing players where you need to get to that floor. They, they were still paying DeAndre Hopkins money, even though they traded his ass. There was no floor to be met, man. You were just signing players because, hey, it looked good. And we made uh, the fans come in for eight games. I, like, is that all this was? It was it was a, a bid to get fans to come to the stands. I mean, it must be because right now, when you look at their team and the, the salaries that they're paying people, I mean, there's only one person on that team that's making sorry, two people on the team that are making more than seven million dollars a year. Eric Murray and Deshaun Watson. Everybody else in that team is making five and a half million dollars or less a season. And so it's not like you're hurting for cap space. So yeah, like you said, trying to get under that number isn't what shouldn't have been a concern. So, you know, why they decided to make a lot of these moves, who the hell knows? Are you touching DJ on the waiver? Because he's still on the waiver. Are you grabbing him? I mean, the way that the way that a lot of people's seasons have been going in in fantasy, yeah, I think he's absolutely worth the waiver pickup. 
What about Burkett, man? In the deeper leagues, what are you doing with Burkett? Yeah, if you're in a if you're in a 16 team league and you get five <laughs> points per for, for reception, absolutely you snatch up Burkett with that number one waiver pick. Yeah, man, because what did he do? He was 18 for 40 yards last week. I mean, that good old 2.9 per carry is gonna get you far in this league. Mm-hmm. Adrian Peterson, man, he poor the poor bastard. Poor guy. You know, like, I feel bad for him. Hall of Famer. He's sitting on the couch. He's like 50 years old. I mean, he gets released by the Tennessee Titans. If you guys don't know, you missed it. I mean, in a subsequent move, they sent Marcus Johnson, the one hit wonder onto the IR with a hamstring injury. So, hey, man, it was your your uh, advice for not picking him up last week was spot on. And then another subsequent move, they signed Golden Tate off the off the street. And it's because they are hurting for wide receivers because A.J. Brown now went down with a chest injury. Good God. Tennessee still up in the top leaderboard of the AFC at eight and three. But man, they're falling apart at the seams. Um, so what we thought was going to be, you know, a nice split of Adrian Peterson and Jeremy McNichols is now turning into a split of Deonta Foreman and Dontrell Hilliard. <laughs> Just like we planned it and thought it would be. Of course. And, you know, with all these injuries occurring, now who do the, who do the, the Tennessee Titans get to play in Week 12? None other than the red-hot New England Patriots. Oh, baby. Oh, like, baby. When you look at the Patriots, they don't have an easy schedule. You know, they've got the Titans, they've got your Bills, and then two weeks later, they've got your Bills again. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's going to be it's going to be interesting. But as far as the Titans are concerned, where we thought that they were trending upwards because their defense was playing so well, that's great. But you need an offense to actually be able to compete. So for me, they're now starting to trend downwards because, I mean, unless Foreman decides he wants to carry the load, you know, and kind of be that player that everyone thought he was going to be mm-hmm. when he was first drafted by Houston and then tore his Achilles. I, I, I don't really see it happening, especially if, you know, A.J. Brown can't be on the field. And this is the thing, man. I mean, this Hilliard kid, he comes off the practice squad and he was captain check down what, excuse me, nine targets or nine receptions. Um, He basically took it. See, this is the thing. I wasn't wrong. Okay. I'm going to have to say this right now. When I told all y'all to pick up McNichols, this is what I envisioned. And my theory was on point. It was just the wrong person. McNichols goes down with a concussion and they gave everything to Hilliard in receptions and check down and garbage time. This is exactly what I thought McNichols was going to do. So now if you're talking about going to pick up Hilliard, I don't hate it because just watch the concussion protocol for McNichols. Cause if he does miss this game, I don't hate Hilliard because look what happened to Ryan Tannehill, man. AJ Brown goes down four interceptions later. The Tennessee Titans lose to the Houston Texans. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. I mean, if you're in a, in a half PPR, full PPR league, take a look at Hilliard. Yeah. Cause like you mentioned, he had 10 targets this past week. Um, and he's still a young kid. He's like what, 25, 26 years old. You know, he got drafted by Cleveland a few years ago. So He's still got plenty left in the tank because he hasn't seen a lot of the field over his, you know, three, four seasons in the NFL. So I think he's definitely worth a look in, in full PPR formats. Yeah. And I mean, the way that they're going to have to morph this run game, because clearly no Peterson, he didn't look good. I mean, Foreman has looked better, obviously, uh, uh, but I mean, it's better. I mean, I, what is better when it comes to Foreman? I mean, instead of Peterson's five carries for 15 yards, it's what eight carries for 40 for Foreman. So, I mean, 
better quote unquote, but I mean, they're going to have to do a multi back set where they're going to have to get creative and throwing to the running backs because I mean, really golden Tate's not going to come in and, and light the world on fire. And really who else do they have besides that? Uh, what I think that rookie uh, Westbrook, something, I mean, outside of that, Oh, uh, nickel, nickel Westbrook. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, outside of that, what else do you got? And I mean, you got to lock this offense up, uh, and I, man, like you're saying, trend down for the Tennessee Titans in a very big way. Yeah. No, I, I, and like, you know, and it's not at the best time because you're going to be running into a very hot new England team whose defense has been playing absolutely phenomenal. So you keep bringing them up, man. You want to talk about your Patriots since that's like the I, third was, time. I was, I was hoping we would, <laughs> you know, the third time he brings it up, I have to bow. Okay. Let's talk about these new England Patriots and what they did on Thursday night football against the Atlanta Falcons. I, you know, I picked a, you know, you had no trust, man. I took the, the over, or I know I took new England. What was their spread? It was, um, you, you get them at six and a half or seven, six and a half. That's correct. Six and a half points. I took new England. You even said you got no faith, man. As a Patriot fan, he says, I would take plus seven. I'm like, yeah. really? Why would you do this? They're rolling. It's Atlanta. They have no Ridley. They have no Patterson. This guy's like plus seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My bad. My hey, man, they looked good. They look good in the process. I've only given you the gears because I don't like seeing your team win. I mean, not only that good. I mean, it was just, I mean, just the turnovers in the second half alone. The Patriots picked off every single quarterback <laughs> on the Falcons depth chart in the second half. The mm. only other time that that's happened was back in 2000 when the charge, sorry, the rant, the Dolphins did it to the Chargers and the Chargers quarterbacks and I'm, I'm doing this off the top of my head, so I apologize if I get the last guy's name wrong. It was Ryan Leaf, Jim Harbaugh, and I believe a guy named Moses, Mal, not Moses Malone. Something like that. But it was something like that. <laughs> the he fact was the that you even know his name is, yeah. is, is quite astonishing to me. But it, I was, that was the last time that a team had intercepted every quarterback on the depth chart. And it's, it was and it was the worst thing was just when you saw Josh Rosen out there, mm. He goes out, you know, incomplete pass. Next one, interception. Immediately goes to the bench. Philippi Franks comes in the very next play, throws an interception. <laughs> it was like, crazy. It, it, it was it was crazy. Um, but some takeaways for me, you know, Mac Jones is just being as efficient as he possibly can. You know, there were a couple of throws that he he missed on that he should have completed. But for the most part, you know, made all the right reads. One thing I love is that when he's under pressure, he steps up in the pocket and mm. isn't rattled. Like he stands in there, he takes the hit, but he makes the right decisions. And that's what I love to see from him. And when you combine that with, you know, Damian Harris and your boy, Ramondre Stevenson, who's been a beast so far. Mm. I mean, it's it's exactly what they need. They have a strong running game, a great defense and a quarterback that has as of recently hasn't turned the ball over and has been making the right decisions. Yeah, man. I mean, literally it hurts and pains me to say it, but as an analyst, I got to agree hundred and ten percent. I mean, what new England has done over these last four games is nothing short of spectacular. I mean, Mac money Jones. I've been, I've been saying it all the time, man. I mean, ever since we watched his tape, remember when we said, and it was on headliner, you guys go check it out. The, the scouting report's still there. If you want to go back and see what we said about him as uh, he was coming into the league, but I mean, um, shameless plug, but I mean, um, when you see 
what Daniel jo- or Daniel Jones? Oh my God, my brain is. I'm just sorry. What did you just do? I don't know how that happened, man. It, it something metamorphosized in my brain and combined the two individuals. That was that it, was your Bills. That was your Bills fanhood just it is, coming man. out there. I'm, I'm speaking. I'm, I'm trying to speak Daniel Jones into existence into Mac Money because we play him the next two or four weeks. But Mac Money Jones, I mean, seriously, he has uh, all kid insight. I mean, he has looked the part of being. A veteran. I mean, there's no other way you can put that. And, and you got to give it to the coaching staff. You know, Bill Belichick was going to school him up. You know, Josh McDaniels was going to put him in the right positions. This is what this team does very well. We spoke on this already before also. But I mean, even the interception that he did throw in Atlanta. I mean, it was you know what that was to me. That was Mac testing the waters in what he's trying to fit in. And it's like, because you see him being very safe on the field, right? He makes the check down. He makes the short out. He takes the high percentage deep ball one-on-one, no safety back. Like, this is what you see out of Mac Jones right now. He is not overly uh, taking chances over and beyond what his box is telling him to be in. But that one throw that he made, because it was, I believe it was a linebacker on the zone coming back, the defensive back, and then the safety was creeping over the top. But it was double coverage, I believe, linebacker, if I'm not mistaken, linebacker and DB. Mm-hmm. But he tried to thread the needle. And yeah. and it, the minute that it got picked off, you know, again, I, I correspond with my buddies via text during the games all the time. And, and he's like, he should have never thrown that pass. And I was like, he got a little too confident. And in my head, I'm like, absolutely, he did. And then I started thinking, is that necessarily a bad thing? Because when you see quarterbacks who are starting to gain that confidence, starting to understand the game, when the game is starting to slow down for them, these are the types of throws that they're attempting because they believe now they can make them. This is very scary for everybody else in this AFC East because Mac Money Jones, man, his ascension is going to be very quick now because of how slow this game is for him. Yeah, and and when he does get that confidence and he's able to make those throws into tight coverage, into double coverage, throw with anticipation into those windows, I mean, that's just going to make the rest of the game so much easier for him because that's something that he's not going to have to rely on. He's not going to have to worry about, you know, chucking the ball downfield to get back into games. He's he's literally like, you know, just playing around, testing things out in a game, not in practice, but in a game, testing mm-hmm. things out to see if they'll work or not. And that's terrifying for opposing teams because once he figures that out, game over. Popcorn ready, man, because this is what we do. How many times we see quarterbacks in training camp, uh, rookies, first year, second year. And and how many times we see it in training camp all the time? The the media goes a buzz like two of this year. He threw five picks in training camp at one practice mm-hmm. and the media ate him alive. They were like, oh, my God, two was not ready Two was make a mistake. Dude, do you even understand what this man is trying to do? He is taking the opportunity to see where he can fit the ball. Interceptions in training camp are a good thing, man, because you want him to some degree uh, because you want him to, to see where he can fit right. the ball in. This is the confidence point I'm saying with Mac money because he's this confident. He's actually doing it in game now. And, and for a guy who's only started what 11 games, Jesus Christ, man, put us all on watch. Cause I'm terrified. Yeah. And just think of all the, all the teams that didn't take him. that probably should have <laughs> right. like teams that teams that were later on that didn't even like trade up. And I mean, the Patriots didn't have to do anything. They just sat there at 15 and they're like, yep, we still got our guy. Yep. And I mean, so here's the great argument on that. Cause we debated this. How many times pre-draft yeah. 
if he does, because I we both said I said the Patriots were the best spot for this man. It's documented. Uh, I went on record. You went on record. Mm-hmm. If he goes to another club instead of the Patriots in this draft, is he as successful? Because I don't think he is. As successful? No, I think that Pittsburgh would have would have been the next best spot for him. To sure. be honest with you. Yeah, I can't argue it. I mean, Tomlin would have done very good things because it's it's again, it's the Tom Brady, you know, uh, immobile quarterback, system based, mm-hmm. Big Ben, immobile quarterback, system based. And, so, and he and you know he would have had great receivers. He would right? have had a great running game with you know, solid defense. Like he would have had all the pieces around him to succeed. Yeah, I agree. It's interesting stuff. You know, I was looking at your schedule and I'm like, oh, he's got Tennessee, Buffalo, Indy, Buffalo. I'm like, yeah, you guys are going down. And then my bills, uh, you know, shit the freaking bed and run into a behemoth and Jonathan Taylor. We get lit up like we're playing. We're we're the Pop Warner squad. Well, man, like that was a rough game to watch. We're, we're pumping up your your Patriots while I'm sitting here wiping tears away still. Jesus, man. Like, you have no sympathy. You did it to me for 20 years, man. God. I, I, watched, I watched that game, too, and it was just, I mean, I... <laughs> I kept we were I was in a group chat with with my best friend James and our other friend Susan who was actually overseas she was in Budapest I believe at the time Whoa. and she found she found a bar where they put the Bills game on for her <laughs> it was obviously it was not not in English but she was watching the game and I think she ended up leaving like at halftime or something and throughout the like the entire first half James and I are just texting Susan we're saying I'm so sorry like this is just awful and then every other one I was just chiming in of how much I love Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> you know, yeah, there's not much I can say. I mean, it's, it's a problem. Five touchdowns, but I mean, okay. So start here. And, and I tweeted this out because Stephen A. Smith goes out on ESPN as he always does, uh, does acting like a jackass. And I'm going to say it because stop acting like a jackass, Stephen A. Smith. And it's, it's got nothing to do with anything else. I mean, just stick to basketball, dude. I mean, your football uh, acumen is just not there. And, and you don't know what you're talking about. And you drive me crazy. You as a person, I don't know you. So whatever. But you as an analyst right now, I just I can't handle you, man. And blaming every single problem the Bills have right now on Josh Allen is bullshit. And that it's a lazy ass take, in my opinion, because that mm-hmm. clearly tells me you have not watched one game for the Buffalo Bills this season. If you're blaming all this on Josh Allen, is Josh Allen playing poor football? Yes, 100 percent. It is not up, up to par to where he was last year. He's had flashes, but it's been against worse teams. Excuse me. He has not taken over the games like we've seen him do. He's not commanding the field. He's not spreading the ball the way he normally does. However, there is a lot of things that uh, uh, equate to this poor play. Number one, offensive line play has been 50% less than what it was last year. Virtually the same players. We also have that rookie Brown who's like six foot ten. He's out. He has been anchoring that right side. That's why we looked good early on because he had all this protection. And like any other quarterback who doesn't have ample protection, they're going to start to struggle a little bit. Josh Allen, I can see his tell is if he doesn't have a very sound pocket for uh, at least four seconds when he's trying to go through four progressions, 
he's going to struggle because he's trying to always go right. And everyone knows now, follow him to the right and he's going to struggle. Number two, we don't have a run game. And I've been saying this for how many times? What did I want in the offseason? A freaking running back. I wanted Travis Etienne. I wanted uh, Najee Harris. Get us a damn RB1. You need to be more balanced. I don't care who you are. The passing league, quote unquote, NFL passing league. Get the hell out of here right now because you are not changing the fabric of how this game is played. You will not do it, okay? Look how easy it is to defend passing teams now. Everybody has the book. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers put out the book on the Kansas City Chiefs in that Super Bowl. Two high safeties, cover two with your linebackers. Done. It shuts it all down, and there's nothing you can do. Buffalo is not learning and not adjusting, but what choice do they have? They have no freaking run game. The defensive line, five sacks in four games. You think that's going to get it done? Hell no. Defensive backs not creating interceptions. Hell no. Tremont Edmonds, he was injured. Do we have linebackers on this team like I asked for after Edmonds? Hell no. So Stephen A. Smith, get the hell out of here. I'm done with my rent. I, number one, I love that. Number two, to back up just how much Stephen A. doesn't watch football, um, I remember the AFC Championship game a few years ago when the Patriots played the Chargers, and Stephen A. went on air and said that the biggest challenge for the Patriots would be trying to cover Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry had been missed, had missed like most of that season and wasn't going to play anyway. So that just showed me right there. I was okay. You clearly don't watch any of the games. Right. And I, I'm sorry. I mean, I had to get it out because this shit has been festering since Jonathan Taylor basically took my firstborn child on the weekend. I mean, it, it was just, everything's boiling to the top. And then when I heard Stephen, a start talking that smash mouth about Josh Allen, I'm like, dude, I'm not defending Josh Allen because his play definitely needs to improve. But the whole overall fabric of what the Bills are right now, they are broken, okay? And the injuries are due. Starlow to Lele, he wasn't playing. He is the catapult and the catalyst on that defensive line to stop the run game. Without that and without Edmonds, your two best run stuffers, you are going to struggle. And Jonathan Taylor showed what the Bills are susceptible to. This is what fears me actually playing your Patriots even more because you guys are such a good running football team. If, if Edmonds and Starr aren't back for that game, we're going to lose just like that as well because I'm not necessarily afraid of Mac Money. It's a bold statement the way he's been playing. Our secondary, I do believe, with your wide receivers, will be able to uh, give him yeah. issues. I, yep. I, I truly do. But yep, if we don't have those guys coming back, we're going to struggle versus your run. Yeah, and that's going to be the biggest thing is, you know, if we can't establish the run, then Mac Jones isn't going to be able to take over a game with his arm. Like he, I, we can't rely on him throwing 300 plus yards and three touchdowns. Like it's just not, it's not feasible. Like I'm more comfortable with 200 yards and a touchdown or two, and then letting the, the running backs do their thing. You know, the defense taking care of things on their end. So, so yeah, you're absolutely right. If you can't, if, if you guys are able to shut down our run game, then the secondary can contain Mac Jones and our receivers. Yeah, man. I mean, I do believe that when you guys do get a number one wide receiver, Mac will elevate to being that extremely high uh, octane passing offense. And it's going to be no problem. I just don't see it with the receivers you have right now. The utilization of Hunter Henry, absolutely phenomenal. The run game, phenomenal. Mac Jones and his ability to control the field, phenomenal. But I mean, this has to play no, into the part yeah. of how the Bills are going to play this game, right? 
yeah, we have we have a bunch of great complementary receivers, but we don't have that true alpha that can just take over a game that where you can just throw it up and just say, go get it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, it's been a rough few days. You can tell, man. I don't usually vent like that. That was a hard, I, I think I hurt. Myself. I haven't heard a, I haven't heard a Chouse vent like that in a long oh, time. I think it was I hurt, good. I, I, I enjoyed hurt, it. I, I hurt my ribs, man. That shit. I hurt. was going to say, did you, did you break something? I pulled a muscle, man. It, it hurts. It doesn't feel. I good. do that when I sneeze. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just called getting old. It's getting old, man. You know, damn it, man. You turn over and things start ripping. Uh, speaking of ripping, man, Eric Ebron, let's get back to these headlines man. while I take a breath. Eric Ebron, he is gone with a knee expected to miss multiple weeks. Who cares? I mean, he hasn't done much all season. Why do no, I bring all about, this up? It's all about the mood. It's the all about mood. the mood. You know where I was going. <laughs> the mood, baby. And I mean, dude, literally, remember when we discussed the mood in the offseason? I pulled the scouting report, man. People were giving me the gears too, man. What are you talking about? He's four, uh, four, seven, two forty. He's got a short wingspan. He's not athletic. What did you say? He is proving you wrong, people. What are you talking about? Um, absolutely. I mean, when you look at what he's he's done, you know, so far this season, and he didn't get a ton of targets to begin the year. He wasn't super involved in the, you know, in in the offense because of Ebron. Because Ebron started off and was playing very well. But over the last four weeks, the Muth is the number two overall fantasy tight end right now, only six or seven points behind Travis Kelsey. So Muth is doing just fine. Mm. Mm. And you know what sucks is that the Muth might, if they don't bring a quarterback in that's like Big Ben who likes tight ends, the Muth will suffer after this if, if Big Ben retires, which we all believe he will Um so, I mean, if you picked up the Muth on the waiver, is he a league winner this year? Um, is he a league? It's tough to say if that a tight end would be a league winner. Well, um, in, the, in the whole fabric of your roster, is he going to help you be a league winner? Yeah, I think so. Because where the tight end position is one of those positions where you tend to stream from week to week, if you don't have one of those top guys that you drafted in the first two to three rounds, you know, to begin the season, then yes, if you're able to pick up prior move off of waivers, you're just plugging him in week to week. And you know that he's going to be a starter for you and get you 10 plus points. Oh, I love it. The move, baby. I love it. Chris Carson, your boy. You hear about your boy here? He's going yeah. in for surgery, IR, neck fusion, like no timetable for return. I mean, literally, is this it for Mr. Chris Carson? It might be. And and I mean, for his sake and for his health, I kind of hope it is because when you start talking about neck injuries, like, I mean, that's no joke, especially in a, in a sport like football in the NFL, you've you got to take care of your body first, you know, I mean, obviously you want to keep playing because it's what you love. The money is great. Um, but this man is just the injuries have piled on, you know, with him, unfortunately. And where I was so high on him to begin the season, hearing that he's done for the rest of the year, I'm not, I'm not upset about it. Cause I really do hope that he can just get healthy and focus on something else. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I never faulted you for it. It was only the injuries, man. It's just, it's plagued his entire career. It's why he fell mm -hmm. in the draft. Nobody can really question his ability he, when he's on the field in full health. He's go man. And he's putting up the yards. He's able to catch the ball. Like he was a very good running back and I'm using already past tense. He is a very good running back, but I mean, the in disc fusion, man, like you said, and especially playing the running back position, you're taking mm -hmm. shots constantly. And man, I, I, will I be shocked if he returns? No. Is it going to be in Seattle? 
maybe not, but I mean, good Lord, man, get your stuff fixed, get healthy. Maybe we see one more kick at the can. And I think that's all we've seen from Chris Carson. Yeah. And especially if Alex Collins can really step things up and show that he can be the number one back for this team, then I do see they make, it makes the decision a lot easier for Seattle to part ways with Carson. You know, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with, with Penny, you know, if he's going to, you know, if he's going to be able to stay healthy as well, because he's had his injury concerns too. But yeah, maybe they do just move on with with Collins and Penny and and just kind of let it go from there. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, the Seattle Seahawks are in trouble right now anyway. I mean, Russ Wilson, he does not look good two weeks in a row. He's going to be what? I think third game now, first time in his career that he's, yeah. he's potentially going to lose three games in a row. I mean, dude, are we are we discounting the fact of how injured this finger really is? Because he looks really bad. I think they may have rushed him back a little bit too soon, to be honest with you, because I mean, when you tear a ligament in your throwing on your throwing hand, I mean, that's something that's going to take a lot of time to to heal, to recover. And like you said, he hasn't looked good the last couple of games, turning the ball over, making, you know, throwing interceptions, you know, barely cracking 200 yards, if that in either of those games. So, I mean, it's it's a little bit worrisome for, for DK owners, for Lockett owners. I do think that it'll get better over the next couple of weeks, but just temper expectations over the next week or two. Um, I had somebody on Patreon ask me earlier, you know, do I go with Burrow or do I go with Russ? And I was like, right now, I probably want to go want to go with Burrow until Wilson can show you something. Yeah, man, I'm not touching Wilson right now until he has that bounce back game. You just you can't trust it, man. And I mean, the concern is permanent damage in an extremity. Um, when you tear a ligament like that, they don't say it. I mean, the doctors are never going to publicly say, oh, there's a permanent man. My daughter broke her arm and there was ligament damage through her um, elbow. And I mean, it goes through the finger because the, the ligaments are all the way attached through your finger motion. She still has issues, man. And it's been it's been uh, uh, over a year. And and when you're talking, Russ, okay, fine, he didn't break his arm, but man, you ripped that, that finger was effed up, man. Like it was, it was like in like three different locations. It was, it was like dangling. Yeah. Right. And I mean, so you're telling me that there's not going to be potential for permanent uh, uh, muscle memory loss in that finger. Like this could be an, a life altering career altering uh, situation for Russ Wilson, where he might have to um, relearn how to throw the football in different ways because it's not the same as it used to be. Yeah, which is absolutely terrifying because he's not the youngest quarterback now. So, I mean, mm-hmm. to have to, if he potentially does have to do that, and then if he does, I mean, what does that say for, you know, for fantasy value for guys like DK Metcalf, for Tyler Lockett? So, yikes. Yikes is right, man. Michael Carter, speaking of yikes, he goes down with an injury MCL two to three weeks. I mean, okay, it's the Jets. I mean, were we were, were we really trusting uh, Michael Carter in our backfield uh, on our fantasy teams? Not really. I mean, maybe no, not, f- not unless Mike White was the quarterback, because that's the only time that he actually had any sort of value. There you go. And I mean, Flacco pulled some out of value out of this team last week. But I mean, two to three weeks, he's done. I mean, uh, flex appeal it did have. My question is, Tevin Coleman, is he back? Please let Tevin Coleman have one more kick at the can, Chris. Please, I'm begging you. I mean, for Tevin Coleman to be back, was he ever really there? Come, come like, on. really? <laughs> Throw me a freaking bone here, man. I've been on this like, guy's maybe, wagon. Maybe that one or two year in, in San Francisco, Shit. like half a season in Atlanta. That's probably about it. Yeah, that's about it, man. I'm just, I'm trying, man. Just, you know, I, I you know why? Because it's the pride. It's the, it's the sinful pride within me of, as a human being 
to try not to be wrong on something. And I was deadly wrong on Mr. Tevin Coleman. God damn it, Tevin. How do you think I felt with Chris Carson telling everyone to take him in like the the third or fourth round as your RB2? Well done. At least least I didn't tell anybody to draft Tevin Coleman. Or maybe I did. Shit. I think I might have told people last round, Tevin Coleman, you're good. Oh, man, just terrible. But Ty Johnson's got to be the guy this week, I would assume. Yeah, I, I would think so. Which, and again, I mean, with Ty Johnson, I think he's also someone that has more PPR upside. Like he's, he was almost like an identical twin to Michael Carter, almost like the same skill set, like both good receiving backs. Michael Carter, I think, has a little bit more rushing upside than, than Ty Johnson. But I mean, who, and again, who, who knows? We'll see. Uh, Zach Wilson's going to be back under center because both White and Flacco have COVID. So, yeah. So pretty much anyone that uh, enjoyed those, you know, few weeks of Elijah Moore. Yeah. You're, you're going to be let down. Yeah, man. Unless he comes out and he said he wants to be more like uh, Mr. White. So who knows? Maybe he's going to start slinging the ball around like BYU style. Maybe, maybe Zach Wilson will be like, Oh wait. Oh yeah. We have Elijah Moore. I should probably use him. Cool. Yeah, and right. We got Jamison Crowder in the double slot movement. Like me and you were predicting. You remember this? Mm, oh, let's, let's get it. It only took the jets fucking 12 weeks to figure it out, man. Damn it. You got better, better late than never. We call that man. Double slot appeal. Look at, look at how it worked. Flacco was the only one that could understand it, man. What does that say about us, man? Are we like Flacco? Is that what that means? Shit. No, it, no, it just means we like double slots. Thank you. Good save. Good save, man. That was almost terrifying. <laughs> the Philadelphia Eagles running back room right now for fantasy teams, Chris. They need help. I've had a lot of questions on this. People are scared. They're terrified. They don't know what to do. Jordan Howard now with the knee. Miles Sanders fumbles twice. Gainwell was inactive, healthy scratch. Dude, what? Are, who are we playing this week? You trust in Miles? Is Gainwell coming back? Boston Scott? Like... Man, they're going to re-sign Corey Clement? Like, what are they doing, man? I think I just shit myself just listening to all that. So, um, get, honestly... Get this man a baby wipe. Yes, I'm... I'm Miles Sanders, I think, is the guy, you know? And I will say this. They have a fairly decent schedule the rest of the way as far as when it comes to opposing run defenses. So, Miles Sanders, I'm not going to say he's going to be a league winner for you, but as long as he's getting... 16, 17, 18 touches a game, you know, and especially if he's being used more as a receiver more so than in the running game, because let's be honest, the Eagles will be playing from behind a lot more. So I think that Sanders could definitely help you out. I think he could be that guy that you expected him to be when you first drafted him. Because I think the Eagles have seen that a lot of these other running backs just haven't worked out. So, okay, yeah, we should probably give our number one guy the ball more. Yeah, fair enough. And I mean, the two fumbles, I was I was like, oh, man, this guy's never going to see the field again the way that they're playing. I mean, this offense at least is moving in the direction where you can expel fantasy points from it because Jalen Hurts is now starting to run. He doesn't pass. See what I'm saying, man? Everything. God, I'm smart sometimes. I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but shit, when I'm right, I got to say it, man. I was always concerned about Jalen's Hur- Jalen Hurts passing aptitude. And now all of a sudden they tried at the beginning of the season to make him a full on passer. Look how poor it happened and and how it didn't work out. Now they're saying, you know what, Jalen, go and do what you do best. He runs the ball. And now guess what? The RPOs are opening up. The play actions opening up the pass game for throws that he can make, man. Mm -hmm. This is what you do when you understand what you have on your football team. Oh, I I completely agree. And you know, what's what's awful or not awful, but kind of, bad is that 
Jalen Hurts has about 248 fantasy points right now. He's the number one fantasy quarterback in, in the league. Um, but he has fewer fantasy points through his first 11 game um, by like 30 or 40 points compared to the number one quarterbacks through 11 games over the last like four seasons. Like it's everybody else it's had, gross. had already had like 280, 290, and he's sitting there like 240. And again, it's because he, his, his, the passing yards aren't there. He has those numbers because of what he's doing with his legs. It's, it's insane. It's look at cam cam comes back. He's running all over the field. He scores like what? 28 points because you know, the NFL doesn't like anybody anymore. Yeah. Uh, speaking of cam, I was, I was very wrong on him. Uh, <laughs> hey, no, you days, weren't though. The game didn't look as good as the stat line shows. No, that that's fair. Um, his game did not look good, but it was the stat line that did because Jay came out in our, our, our group DM. And he's mm. like, I think this is the, this is, this is a cam cam week. He's going to, and I was like, ah, just pump the brakes. Like, I don't know. Got a temper expectations. I was like, I can see him being like the, you know, QB 15 or, or something this week. And he's like, Nope. Like, look at everything around him. He's, it's going to happen. And, uh, and cam went out and it wasn't a pretty game by any means, but he was the QB four with mm. like 26 points. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, I was I was saying it too. I said I don't know if I see it. I got to see it to believe it. Jake was right on this one. You got to give kudos where it's due, even though I don't like to. But hey, that's life. But but it's still Cam Newton still can't push the ball down the field. No, so. he can't. No, he cannot. And he proved it after the first quarter. He was hitting. He was hitting DJ Moore all over the field. I'm like, oh, this is gorgeous. My DJ Moore shares are back. All of a sudden, by the end of the second quarter, I'm like, oh, my DJ Moore shares are shit again. It's just not happening. Yeah, no. I mean, you know who's probably really happy? Robbie Anderson, that he's actually finally getting some targets. <laughs> yeah, man. He's not cussing anybody right now because Robbie needs the deep ball, even though Cam can't do that. No. Current playoff standings. We are in week 12, Chris. We are going into Thanksgiving weekend. And I mean, it is a great opportunity to sit and dissect. And the reason I'm we've already discussed my bills in your Patriots. I went a little too far, but hey. I feel better, except my ribs still hurt, man. Like, I think I'm going to need some massage or something to get that back in. Something fell out. Uh, but I mean, check with uh, check with Robert Kraft. He can help you out with that. <laughs> yeah, I got to go get it where he went to go uh, get some advice on how. you. Yeah, get go those. down to Florida. Yeah, get those rubbing tugs going. I didn't say that, but hey, AFC, man, <laughs> eight and three, Tennessee, Baltimore, seven and three, New England, seven and four. And now the division leader. Good God. Kansas City, seven and four, Cincinnati, six and four, LA Chargers, six and four. My Buffalo Bills holding the last playoff spot now at six and four. What is the biggest surprise out of this whole thing right now as the league is literally going bananas? Nothing is Nothing is uh, how we expected it. It's flipped on its side. The The competition and the injuries and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the competition. Uh, what's that? There's a specific word for that. Parody. The parody oh, within the yeah. league. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm just I'm doing it myself right now. The parody in the league is, uh, you know, uh, crazy. Every team can compete. I mean, Chris, seriously, out of these teams right now, what's the biggest surprise to you? So I will say this, the AFC obviously is a lot closer right now than it, what we what we're going to see in in the NFC, okay? And the AFC just two games separates the Bills and the Titans, okay? For that number 1 seed. What surprises me the most is honestly not seeing the Bills at the top of that list in the AFC, mm-hmm. not seeing the Chiefs farther up than what they currently are, and honestly, 
even just seeing the Bengals on that list at all is very surprising. So there are a lot of things that I didn't expect to see, you know, early in September. Yeah, man. And I'm with you. The bills at the bottom, not the top. Super shocked. I, I mean, Super Bowl favorites coming in. I thought, okay, yeah, we're, we can coast. And now they're making the gray hairs come in more now. I just yeah. you know I got to use the, the Grecian formula or whatever to paint on. Otherwise, I look like I'm 55 when I leave the house. It's not okay. I mean, we can't do I, this. I also want to mention, uh, I apologize. I did also mean to mean to say that I didn't expect the Patriots to be on that list. I don't want anyone to think that I'm crazy. Unbelievable. No, I, I, did, I, I did not expect them to be seven and four at this point. You know, man, it sounds like you've uh, frequented that rub and tug quite a few often because you're just yanking on it right now, man. You're just yanking yeah, thought, on the juice. I thought they'd be 10 and one. My bad. Jesus Christ. Man. <laughs> Pump the brakes, man. Holy crap. But yeah, New England to me at seven and four is a huge shocker. I mean, I expected uh, them to compete, but I did not expect them to be this good at this point this quickly. Um, Agreed. Tennessee, I mean, I did not expect this. Even with King Henry, I didn't expect them because the defense to me wasn't, uh, excuse me, up to par. And, and you saw what happened last week. If that defensive front does not play lights out, a Houston Texans team can beat them, you know? Right. Tannehill throwing interceptions, you're going to have issues. Kansas City, yeah, I expect them to be higher, but Cincinnati's a nice surprise in the Chargers. Really? Chargers, man, they got their mojo back on, on Sunday Night Football there with against the Steelers. Yeah, the Chargers aren't a big surprise there. Um, you know, the Titans, I expected them to be top two, top three in the, in the conference. I pretty much expected it to be like, you know, Bills, Chiefs, Titans. That's kind of how I saw the top mm. three playing out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Chargers, like you said, Herbert's starting to play well. One thing that I, I, when I saw that game, that Sunday night game with, uh, with the Chargers and Herbert, is the maturation process of this young man and the decision making that he has. There are times where he's been played pretty inconsistently, but it's the decisions that he does. When he's under pressure, he doesn't fold. He's very much like a Mac Jones. He'll stand in there or he will take off and run, but he makes the right decisions when he needs to. And that's what I love about this kid's game. Oh, man, it's uh, preach that on all day long. I could listen to positive talk on Herbert all day because it's true. And, and he's you know what? It is? It's like ice veins. When you have yeah. the ice in your veins, nothing rattles you. And then he just it's like, OK, he made the mistake through a pick six. The next play, he's still slinging the ball around like he didn't make that mistake. These are the types of players. That's the evaluation process that so many of these teams did not have right on, on Herbert at all, only because he comes from the Oregon Ducks and, and the system he played in. The fact he was never under center. The NFL doesn't even let their quarterbacks go under center anymore. It's like 90 percent shotgun anyway. Why was that a detriment to his game? These scouts, man, you you know me, man. I, I got a lot of beef with some of these scouts and how they still evaluate talent because you guys, this is the reason why some teams suck and they don't stop sucking like the Chicago Bears, for example. This is why you suck because you can't figure out your scouting room. Get innovative. Understand what these players do. Understand where the game is going. Understand how to utilize this talent. I think I, I'm venting a lot today, man. I can't breathe, so so when my ribs, my ribs. when Justin Herbert was at Oregon, one of the biggest knocks on him was that he he didn't show up in big games. You know, he made too many mistakes. You know, and whatnot. And so, also another mistake they said people said that he made is that he didn't come out after his junior year. He stayed mm. for a senior season. I wish he had come out after his junior year because if he did, then he would have played in the NFL in the 2019 season, which means I personally think that the New York Giants probably would have taken Herbert over daniel jones right and if the giants had 
Justin Herbert with this offense. Oh, baby. That would be something exciting to watch. Oh, baby. Ray Herbert and Barkley. Oh, my goodness. And then maybe maybe at that point, you see how things evolve? Because maybe at that point, Barkley doesn't get hurt as much. And, oh, man, what would have been? What would have been? The NFC. What a a shoulda, coulda. What a shoulda, coulda, man. The NFC. I I swear to God, this division is is crazy as well. Arizona, nobody would have thought they would have been the top dog at 9-2. Green Bay, 8-3. Tampa, 7-3. Dallas Rams, 7-3 in that order. Minnesota, then New Orleans, 5-5. And I mean, it was it was a lot more competitive in the NFC early on in the season where the records look like the AFC. Now you see the, the teams are starting to fall off on the bottom and the teams on the top are starting to rise. But I mean, again, biggest surprises, biggest knocks. I mean, New Orleans five and five, really? But biggest surprise for me, Washington four and six. Oh, look at that. I mean, the way that they finished off last season, I thought that their defense was going to be, you know, obviously much better than what it has been this year. Granted, they've lost two of their biggest stars, but I mean, Washington just came out, played flat. Obviously they had, they lost Fitzpatrick, you know, with the injury, uh, what first, second game of the season. Mm -hmm. And so that was the biggest surprise for me on this list here. Next, I would probably say saints, not so much, um, but you know, Tampa Bay not being up there. Number one, you know, I expected it kind of be, Tampa Bay, Green Bay, Arizona, you know, top three there. Um, The Rams with all the moves that they've made, you know, seven and three, but they're also a very, I feel like they're a very overrated seven and three. Sure. Like they, the last, the last few weeks, they have not looked good. And I almost am scared that that might be the Rams team that we very well could see for the rest of the year going into the playoffs, especially if OBJ doesn't get up to speed in this offense with them losing Robert Woods. That's going to be, that's going to be scary because that could definitely hurt them and Matthew Stafford, who I also feel has been overachieving a little bit. Yeah, no, I can't hate it. And I mean, Minnesota for me, I I think that they are one of these dark horses that everyone needs to watch out for at this point. They have played extremely well on both sides of the ball this whole season. Five and five does not appropriately identify what this team truly is. JJ is on another damn planet right now. Feelings and feeling the mojo. Kirk Cousins has been a very good quarterback this season. The reason they're losing is because of end game mistakes, missed field goals, and just really shitty coaching at that point. So if you change that, this team literally themselves could be seven and three, and 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 that would appropriately identify who they are. Beating Green Bay, uh, the way they did, how they did, force feeding JJ. You know, Dalvin still having a massive role on this team. I really, as long as it continues to go in the right direction, even if they don't improve uh and they kind of stay plateau this is a playoff team 100 that i would be scared of to play oh, I, I i completely agree with you you know and where they you know where they are currently in their division obviously they have green bay ahead of them but i mean other than other than that there's nobody else in that division i mean obviously the bears and the lions aren't going to be scared of you so i mean it's they're obviously going to be a wild card spot but it's their spot to lose at this point Agreed. 100% agreed. Thursday, Thanksgiving football. We'll touch on this quickly. Chicago at Detroit. uh, The Vegas Raiders at the Dallas Cowboys. And my Buffalo Bills, good God, uh, at New Orleans. I'm already scared, even though it's Trevor Trevor Simeon. This is what you guys have done to me this season, Buffalo. You're making me scared of Trevor Simeon on Thanksgiving. I should be happy Mm -hmm. and sitting back full belly and full of beverages at that point. 
I'm going to be nervous as shit. Yeah, but Kamara hasn't been practicing. Agreed. They're also very well could be without Ingram and their two starting tackles in Armstead and Ramzik also probably going to be out. So I think you guys should be okay unless you just have a complete mental breakdown like you did against Jacksonville and you poop the bed. I just, I can't take anything for granted right now, Chris. I really can. I'm scared. The Raiders at Dallas. I mean, what an opening line right now, seven and a half. You got to think this got to go to Vegas because I mean, all the injuries and the COVIDs for Dallas right now, it's Gallup, Wilson, Zeke is obviously practicing, but. I don't know, man. And, Seven if, and, and if Zeke can't go, you got Tony Pollard, who obviously just can can fill in for Zeke. But um, yeah, I like the I like the line for for Vegas there. And then you've got the the toilet bowl with uh, the the Lions, the Lions and the Bears. <laughs> the toilet bowl. Andy Dalton's starting. This means uh, Darnell Mooney is likely going to have another like two hundred point game. Like balls to the wall, Mooney. I mean, give me give me all the David Montgomery in that matchup. Oh, hell yeah, baby. What about uh, Mr. DeAndre Swift? Uh, DeAndre Swift. I think he, I think he's going to have a better game receiving because the Bears, you know, they're, they've always been known for having a, a decent front seven. I think they could slow him down in the running game. Uh, but as a receiver, I think he'll just absolutely annihilate them. So I'm going to have a hot take. Hot take tonight because if... Jared Goff does play this game like he's trending to play. Coach uh, Campbell says that he's likely going to suit up. This is the Amon Ross St. Brown breakout game. I'm saying it today. Mm. I'm hoping it happens. I'm not guaranteeing it, so don't go pick him up thinking it's going to happen. I really what is do. A, what is a breakout game? I want to say like the 100-yard game. He's going to get his first 100 okay. yards, a touchdown. Okay. Yeah, six to eight receptions. This is his breakout game. This is where he, he lets the league take notice of who he is because people will be watching. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I like that. Let's go Amon Ra. I've been pushing you the Let's whole time. Let's go Amon Ra St. Brown. Let's do it, man. Did you know his brother's that Equimenius from Green Bay? I had yeah, no I'm idea. The one that, I'm the one that told you that. Is that did you tell me that? Like, I, yes. Someone like, said it on there when I was watching the Green Bay game. The announcer said, I was like, he's yeah. his brother? Really? No, I'm the one that told you that we were doing the scouting reports. Jesus, man. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> like right. Back you in did. April. <laughs> you did. Oh, my God. I'm getting old. I'm getting some brain damage. My goodness. Let's play a quick game before we get out of here, Chris, because this is yes. interesting to me. And it's, again, a league winner. Take it with a quote-unquote how they'll help your team rather than him just being the top dog. And you can take it both ways. Maybe even uh, preface that in your answer of saying he will be alone, the league winner for your team, or he will give you everything you require because he's that good. You understand where I'm kind of going with this? No, but I'm going to play along anyway. <laughs> Son of a bitch, I can't explain nothing today. <laughs> Quarterbacks, Kyler Murray, will he be a league winner for you? No, I'm too concerned with his injuries, and especially with the injuries to, to DeAndre Hopkins. It limits his weapons. And Chase Edmonds out, he will not be a league winner. Oh, that's a bold one. Josh Allen. Josh Allen will be a league winner. I think that he turns it around. I think he gets Stefan Diggs more involved. Uh, I th the running game is just an absolute disaster, so he's going to have no choice but to do it all on his own. Yes, he's a league winner. I love it, man. See, guys, listen up, man. This is good fantasy advice for you. I'm telling you. Lamar Jackson. Oh, absolutely league winner. I mean, the man, the fact that the man can now throw the ball and throw for over 250 yards a game, plus get you 60 rushing yards on the ground, absolutely league winner. He just has to stay out of this illness, like the poop game. He just, he couldn't handle it this week. You know what it was? It was probably pink eye because poop. Yeah. <laughs> Probably is a pink eye. Oh man, poor bastard. You you're gonna have to send him some flowers and an apology letter, man. The slander you put on this man. 
Listen, I didn't I didn't poop his pants. He pooped his pants. <laughs> so that's on him. Aaron Aaron Rodgers, league winner. Aaron Rodgers is not going to be a league winner. Um, outside of Devontae Adams, I just haven't been impressed with you know what else he has around him and with you know, unless it's Aaron Jones, but Aaron Jones is back banged up. So nope, not a league winner. I agree. I, I tend to agree with Aaron Jones only because that toe apparently is worse than mm-hmm. turf, turf toe. So that's a major concern for me. Running backs, Jonathan Taylor, that mother. Oh my gosh. Not only is he a league winner, but he is just, I mean, oh, I, I can't, that's all I, that's all I can say. Actually, I have a quick thing I want to say about Jonathan Taylor. I tweeted this out for anyone that follows me on, on Twitter through the first 11 weeks of the season, Jonathan Taylor leads all players in fantasy points. It is the first time that a non-quarterback has done this since 2000 when Frank Gore mm-hmm. led all NFL players in fantasy points. He had wow. like eight more points than Drew Brees did. That's wow. insane. Do you see the transition this league is going right now? So when you quickly, because I, I brought up earlier, excuse me, passing league, and they're trying to morph this into only passing. It's they, They're trying to make it like 90-10 pass mm-hmm. to run. It does not work. You will not change it. And look at that. Frank Gore leads the league in fantasy points. That was one of those transitional periods, too, where they tried. Let's pass more. Let's see. It's too easy to defend. And once you defend it, there's nowhere for you to go with the ball. And if you don't have a running quarterback, you're shit out of luck, man. So, I mean, that's just another event. But, yes, Jonathan Taylor, he stole my heart. He stole my children this weekend. And I cannot forgive him. But I, I do love Jonathan Taylor. I wish I had him in more leagues. Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley is is not going to be a league winner. And I say that because number one, the health is a big concern. The O line is an absolute disaster, and teams are not afraid of you know Danny Downer. So yeah, no, I, I don't think he's a league winner. Danny Downer, man. Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler is absolutely going to be a league winner because he can do it on the ground. He can do it through the air. The man is a one-man wrecking crew for that offense. So for me, league winner. Look how good they look when they integrate him a lot more in that offensive scheme. Like on Mm -hmm. Sunday night, it was phenomenal. What do you have, like 40 points himself? Like it was just crazy how good he looked. Yeah, I mean, if he had five more rushing yards, I would have won a lot more money. But it's cool. I still love you, Austin. You're still He's one of the, you know, you can't hate Austin because he's one of the guys that loves our fantasy team. Yeah, he 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 tweeted out or made a comment. He said to anyone that has me on their fantasy roster, you know, let's run it back again next week. And I was like, that's awesome. See, and Uncle Lenny did the same thing. You see, he apologized to fantasy. I love I'm I'm sorry. We have so many weapons on on the team. Like, you know, everyone's got to get the ball. So they get it. Uncle, Uncle, Lenny. Uncle Lenny understands. I love it, man. See, I'm the I feel like I'm the only one that still shows love for Uncle Lenny and he's still catching balls, gets me like 16 points weekly. Like, how can you disrespect Uncle Lenny was always here. He never left and shame on you all. Need upside. I'm pointing fingers at you, boy. Oh, I mean, of course, of course, Uncle Lenny is still in it. I mean, when you look at what Uncle Lenny has done this year, I mean, the man, the man is a borderline RB one this year. He's the RB 13 on the season. And y'all wanted me to quit this man. Shame on you. I will Mm -hmm. not. I will not do it. Don't do it. DeAndre Swift, league winner. DeAndre Swift will be a league winner because of what he can do in the receiving game. He's been getting a lot more productivity as a, as a runner, but he's going to kill you in the passing game, getting all those targets until, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown has that breakout hundred yard game. Swift is going to be the main guy for the most part because they haven't been targeting TJ Hawkinson as much as they should be. Swift will help be a league winner. 
Are you trying to point like, you know, darts at me for saying I'm on Ra's breakout game? No, I'm just saying temper expectations on Thanksgiving for Swift because it's going to be the Amon Ra game. I feel like those are darts, man, being chucked in my direction. It hurts, man. It hurts. I don't know what you're talking about. You're fucking hurting feelings over here. Look look behind you. There might be some like (laughs) holes in the wall from the darts. Nick Chubb, Nicholas Chubb, league winner. He will be. Even when Kareem Hunt comes back, I think Chubb is going to be able to do enough you know, as a, as a runner, he's going to get the touchdowns for you. He's just an, a guy that not only is able to, you know, take contact and have that great contact balance and just keep going on and on, but he makes so many people miss tackles as well that I think he's just, he's going to crush you in the running game. Even if he doesn't get a ton of targets, he's still going to help you win leagues. Yeah. It's, it's, it's Nicholas Chubb. I mean, he's just going to do what he does. Damian Harris, your boy, is he a league winner? He is not because of the way that the that Stevenson has played over the last couple of weeks and also where the Patriots are now in great position. I do think that they scale back Harris's workload just a little bit to save him and keep him fresh for the playoffs. So no, he will not be a league winner. Good thought process. I I, I was on the, I was on the fence. I, I kind of still believe he will have enough for you, but he might not put you over the top to win those games. JJ, Justin Jefferson. It's an easy. Yes. Oh, hell to the motherfucking <laughs> Yes. So we'll just move on. Chase, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, yeah. I, I Tyler Boyd is being incorporated a lot more into the offense, even with you know Higgins coming back over the last few weeks. Um, but I think that Chase is still the number one guy. He's still going to get you that touchdown upside. He still has a 100-yard you know, potential every game. So for me, yeah, Chase is still the guy. Yeah, I agree. Stefan Diggs, man. Is Diggy going to get out of the doghouse? I don't, I don't think so. Not to be a league winner, I don't think, unfortunately. I think that, you know... If he's going to do it, it, it was going to have to have happened a few weeks ago. I think that with Allen, the way that he's using Sanders more, Beasley more, you know, now that Dawson Knox is back, I don't see Diggs being that league winner. It's crazy, man. Hundred and hundred thousand targets last year, like 80,000 receptions. And, and this is where we are this year. Unbelievable. Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson, I think will be, you know, Claypool, not, a, not a hundred percent healthy. Obviously Juju's gone. Uh, Najee Harris isn't being used as much as a receiver as he was earlier in the season. And with big Ben, you know, probably definitely not hundred percent healthy, you know, who knows what's happening there, but Johnson's the main target. He's the guy. Yes. Muth is being involved more, but I'm going to go on a limb. I'm going to say Deontay Johnson is going to be like a low end league winner. I love it, man. I was, I was going, that's why I put it on here because he, his consistency this year has been quiet baller. Like he, mm-hmm. he just, he, all he's doing is giving you everything you require for that wide receiver one. And it's just been silent on the man. He's been absolutely phenomenal. I agree with you. I think he is a league winner kind of shot in the dark. Darnell Mooney without uh, the Allen Robinson game. Nope. Okay, we'll move on. No, sorry, that's not, no, he's not a league winner. That's okay. I just I, I wanted, think, to, th- I don't, I, I wanted I don't to throw it out there. God, yeah, man, I, you gotta I make me feel silly. I don't think he's gonna get the volume. I don't think Fields is gonna throw the ball enough. I, as long as, well, you know what, Matt Nagy. Well, if, as long as you're not asking Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy's probably gonna be gone after this week anyway. So, right. who knows? Come ask me that question again <laughs> after week 13. Okay. Okay, we'll 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 reevaluate and reconvene so you can just throw. I want my I want to see what his target share is like post Nagy. Agreed. Agreed. Debo Samuel. Oh yeah, with, yeah. with the except with the exception of this last game where he had more rushing attempts than he did, you know, targets, uh, and he led the team in rushing yards. I think that was an anomaly, but he's still going to be a league winner for you regardless of it's on the ground or through the air. 
No, he's just he's phenomenal this year. If you have shares of Debo, count yourself lucky because I think that is going to win the award for best return on investment at the wide receiver position, if Hands not down. in in the entire league. Just unbelievable where his ADP was to where you got him. Elijah Moore, kind of interesting. Now that Zach Wilson's back, probably not, unfortunately, because. You know, I loved, and I think that the fit with Flacco was perfect because Flacco loves to throw the ball downfield. You know, uh, Mike White kind of had the same thing. Zach Wilson hasn't really shown that ability to connect on those deep balls yet. So until he does, I'm going to say no. Yeah, fair enough. And I mean, it's a it's a long shot anyway. The only reason why I bring him up and another rookie next to him after this is because we typically see these elite rookie prospects start to take off around this time. The last six weeks of the season is when you see their maturation process turn, and then they are the waiver wire hot commodity that will win you leagues. I still, I agree with you. We need Zach Wilson to showcase his ability, at least to get him the the ball in his hands. If he can do that, even on the short uh, mid range, I think that there is a good possibility that Elijah Moore will be very close to giving you enough points to be that league winner. But I agree with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Devonta Smith, my last one. What do you think about this guy? I'm going to say, yes, I love the, the way that he's been involved a lot more on the offense the last few weeks. And granted, while Jalen Hurts is not going to be thrown for 300 yards a game, like it's not to say that Smith still can't get you six catches for 75 yards and a touchdown. So I think Smith can absolutely be a consistent wide receiver too for you for the rest of the year. Yeah, I agree. I, they're they're turning things around in Philly, man. You can't hate what they're doing, and it's interesting stuff, man. Week twelve, Thanksgiving weekend. I mean, Chris, this is this is what we live for, man. I mean, the season's already almost half over, if not more, and we're getting into the holiday season. It's nice, mm-hmm. man. All right, I got a couple of questions for you before we end things here. Favorite Thanksgiving dish. Mm. It can be the main, the main course or side dish, whatever. One thing, if you could only have one thing on your plate for Thanksgiving, what would it be? Man, is gravy count as it too? That counts as a accessory to whatever. Yes. You want to put on. Okay. So man, if you just got to give me that bird, give me the bird and some gravy and I'm a happy guy, man. Add a little stuffing on the side if I want to add another. Nope, can't like, do that. Can't do that. God damn it, man. So yeah, just give me the bird. I'm I'm good with the bird and some gravy, and I'm a happy yeah, I'm, guy. I'm I'm the stuffing and the gravy. Give me the stuffing. Give me yeah. the gravy. I'm a happy guy. Or you just give me the pie. Just put the pie in front of my face. Give and... you the pie. What kind of pie? So pumpkin's my favorite. Oh. But I went out this morning and I bought a chocolate bourbon pecan pie. <laughs> Now you're talking my language, man. Yeah. Get that pumpkin pie out the door and give me the bourbon chocolate pie. Yeah, no, it was good. Uh, Second question I have is how soon after Thanksgiving do you put up your Christmas tree? (laughs) Right away. Or is it it already up? It's already up in my house right now, man. (laughs) (laughs) We got little ones, man. You're you're one of those people. (laughs) I am. No, you know what? Typically we don't. We usually do it after. uh, But I mean, it's the little ones. They were pushing for it, COVID and everything. So that's fair. We said the hell with it. You know, let the little ones have some more joy because they've been stripped of it for so long. So we we put it up already. (laughs) Love it. You have to talk to. uh... We're those people this year. Whatever. I've got to figure out where exactly in the house and we're gonna have a room for because we have three dogs. So it's like, well, where, where can we put up a tree where it won't get absolutely destroyed? You might have to hang it from the ceiling this year where it's kind of like, you know, floating. No, because th- no, then they're going to think it's a toy <laughs> and it'll really come down. <laughs> 
Oh, the troubles we have, man. Unreal. Oh. But that's all I got today, big man. That's all I got. I'm just excited. I'm excited for Thanksgiving. I'm excited for football. I'm excited for just because it's going to be great. We're going to have three games on Thursday. You know, we get a little two day break and then we just get right back to it on Sunday. Like this is the time of year now where we start getting, you know, we get more games on more days. You know, we're going to have some Saturday games coming up in a few weeks. It's going to be just I, I love it. I love everything about this time of year. It's me too. And it's, it's, it's when I almost get divorced every single year. It's, it's at that point where, you know, you're, you're teetering on the, on the, on the fringe of saying, Hey, just be patient, just a few more weeks. And then they add another day, they add another day. And you're like, Hey, I'm sorry. It's an important game. I got to watch. And the divorce papers start to creep a little bit closer on your desk every day. And you're yeah, like, when, when I, when I told my girlfriend that uh, they extended the NFL season to another week to week 18, she was like, Oh, okay. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the NFL gets blamed a lot for divorces about this time, man. But hey. yeah, exactly. Well, you enjoy yourself. You have a happy Thanksgiving, Chris. It's uh, always a blessing. You as well, my friend. So enjoy time with family Absolutely. and friends. Drink a lot, eat a lot, give to the poor and, and everybody, you know, give as much as you can. Cause I mean, this world right now needs a lot of happiness and we all have, you know what, even if we're struggling, we have a lot of things uh, that we can be grateful for. I'm sure because somebody else is definitely hurting uh, below us as always. So definitely prayers up, happy Thanksgiving to everybody and, and be safe. Absolutely. And before we go, I do want to just give a quick reminder uh, on the Twitter handle at on If you are listening um, your pick for Danny Downer did win our contest. So make sure that you hit up either Chouse or myself, and we will hook you up with a free draft guide for next season. Perfect, man. Get that done because that draft guide is stellar, man. But anyway, we'll close this one out, man. So on that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore FH1. You can find Chris on Twitter at Vineyard Remedy. It's it's a quite a nice jingle, Vineyard Remedy. To all the listeners, thank you for all the support. And on behalf of Chris, thanks again for listening. Until next time, stay safe and be kind to each other. I'm out. <laughs>